Good morning, everybody. For those of you that don't know me, my name's Andrew, and um, I'm the pastor here, and it's my privilege to lead you this morning, um, as it was on Friday in the, in, the, uh, in the Easter services already, but he's risen, hasn't he? You can't say that enough. Um, and as we were praying before the service, we were just mentioning too that... Easter Sunday is a day that we remember that Jesus Christ rose from the, the grave, that he rose a victor. But actually, it's every Sunday that we celebrate that. Every Sunday, that's why we get together, because that's what gives us reason to celebrate. But today's a special day, an Easter day. He's risen. What a glorious day. The tomb is empty. Like, uh, Anyone want to know how Roy did that thing? Come and see me after. You have to pay me, though. The tomb is empty. The, the, you know, and that's a great analogy, you know, not just for kids, but when you bite into an Easter egg, you know, actually, how many of us adults have already had one Easter egg? We're, talking, we're laughing at the kids. Okay, one. How many of you are not telling the truth right now? <laughs> Two. You know. But when we bite into that Easter egg, it is empty. And it's a great analogy. I'd never heard that before. Thanks, Roy. I think it's a great way to remember and particularly to talk to kids about that as well. Because the grave is empty and Jesus has risen. It was a surprise for his followers. It shouldn't have been, but it was a surprise for his followers. It was a shock to the establishment. They put soldiers outside so that he couldn't get stolen and get away. How did he do it? Just like how did Roy do the, you know? But it was a shock to the establishment. But an absolute joy for us. And that's why we call it a celebration Easter. And it's so good to be able to celebrate Christ's resurrection after reflecting and remembering the suffering and pain of the cross, the, the price that Jesus paid. We looked at that on Good Friday and we realised that there wasn't just one price, that it was this, this lead up to the cross. There were so many things, so many costs to Jesus for what he did for us. And remembered that the debt was actually ours, wasn't it? And it was a debt that we couldn't pay and... Praise God for sending Jesus. And here's the great news of Easter, Easter Sunday. Death couldn't hold. It was waged, but Jesus emerged the absolute victor. He rose from the grave. We don't say that enough. We, only, we keep that for Easter, but we could say that again every Sunday, every day of our lives. Because our, our fortune and our future is forever changed because of that one completely changed because of that. And here's the thing. The price was ours to pay, but Jesus paid it, right? We talked about that on Friday. But after paying the price, the prize should have been his. But we get the prize. It's a double whammy, isn't it? We should have paid the price, but he did. And then he should have got the price. He should have got the prize because he paid, but we get the prize. In fact, we get a lot of prizes. You know, I was thinking of the kids. Kids, when you're in a running competition, if you've got a running competition at school and you ran like crazy and you're sweating and you got around, you saw the finish line and you crossed the finish line first, what if they decided that the person that came last should get the prize? How would you feel? Worse still, what if they decided the kid that didn't want to run, that just sat on the banks because he couldn't feel like running, he thought it was silly, 
They gave him the prize. How would you feel about that? Have you ever been given a prize that you didn't deserve? Have you ever been treated nice when you know you didn't deserve it? Well, today we're going to have a look at what the Bible tells us is the prize or the prizes of the resurrection. You know, and when we talk about what's the prize of the resurrection, we'll, we'll often sort of say, well, it's eternal life. And that's true. It's this, it's this sort of catch-all eternal life. But if we have a look a bit deeper, if we look at the content, there are so many prizes. It's so, got so much content and there's so much more that the resurrection has given us as a prize. The prizes that are ours in Christ. And it's not an exhaustive list. We, you know, we could go on forever because there's so much in our life and we could get really specific like you know, kids and homes and, and there's all those things that come because God has, Christ has saved us. We're going to have a look at just a few of them. And the first one is probably a really important one. It's a big word um, and we've talked about it before. The first prize of resurrection is justification. I'll spend a couple of minutes on that. There's a couple of scriptures I wanted to read there. In Romans 4, verse 25, it says, He was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. That's what, that's what Romans, Paul in Romans talks about. Jesus was raised for our justification. And in Romans 5, verse 9, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, how much more will we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So perhaps justification, let's have a look at that for a minute, that was one of the greatest prizes, taking our punishment for sin and having victory over sin and death bought us that great prize of justification. You might ask, what is that? Well, justification in, in, in normal, if you look in a dictionary, it's making things right, isn't it? Think of justifying the text. You're making it right, you're aligning it all. Or you justify doing something, or someone is justified in what they're doing. But the dictionary, interesting, all of the dictionaries also add uh, another definition. I always add, when I look at justification, I always add this little note beforehand in brackets, theolo- theology, theologically. The act of, the, an act of God whereby humankind is made or accounted penalty from sin. So even the world recognises that justification is a big concept, an important concept. So in biblical terminology, the question is, how could we be justified? Because that means declared righteous. How, how could that happen? In, even in the, biblical, uh, in the biblical understanding, it's a term that has legal connotations, isn't it? Imagine a courtroom. In this case, there's a courtroom where God is the judge, where the accused um, standing before God the judge, we actually know we're guilty. Um, the big question is, how can he declare us to be righteous? Well, God declares us to be righteous because God takes the sin upon himself. But because Christ is in our place, in justifying us, God, not only the judge, not only pardons our sin, but then he goes and declares us as righteous. As people that are sinless anyway. So it's a positive declaration. He's examined the evidence. We're declared before the court to be righteous. We've done all. And justification means and says that we've done all that we ought to have done. And that before the law, we never even sinned. That's amazing. That's justification. You know, normally in a court, when you think of a courtroom... 
A person is justified after they prove that they didn't do it. They didn't break the law. Or there's not enough evidence and they don't get a, what do you call it, when you don't get a, like, um, um, you know, those legal shows, when the, the, the jury is not unanimous, where there is doubt. That's the word we're looking for. That's the, in, in understanding the law, that's how it works. In our case, before God, we have broken the law. We are guilty. The evidence is overwhelming. But to answer the problem, Christ both takes our punishment and he gives us righteousness. And it's important. This is really essential to justice. It's not just something that, that God did off the cuff. That was really important. When God declares us to be righteous, he's not pretending. It's a case that divine justice is satisfied. It's not, look, God can do that. He can just go like this and just pretend we haven't sinned. It actually, in divine justice, God's law is satisfied. In justification, we receive both pardon and righteousness through Christ, who is our son for God, without a stain or without a blemish, just as if we'd never sinned. Can you imagine that as a kid when you know you've done the wrong thing? You know, and you, um, and maybe not even when you're kids, when you know that, when you know you've really done the wrong thing by somebody. You know, and so have you ever really, you know, have you ever done an event because you know they're going to be there? Why do you not want to be there? Because they might look at you, they might say, hey, you did the wrong thing. As a kid, when I was a kid, when I did something wrong at home and, and I knew that my mother knew that I did something wrong and so I didn't have the normal abandon to just jump, run into the kitchen and say, can I have a cookie? How could I do that when I knew that she would look at me and think, I know what you just did. With our justification, it's not like that at all. It's just like we never did. We could walk into that building and that person would treat us, hey, how are you going, Andrew? Or your mum would say, sure, you can have a cookie. And you think, wait, did I miss something? Christ has completely taken away our sin. It's a key prize. And the result of justification is salvation, another prize of the resurrection. Saved from what should have been our fate. And so the second one I wanted to talk about is salvation. What is, what is that about? And Thessalonians says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we're awake or asleep, we might live with him. And in Ephesians, Paul says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And let me talk about that for a minute in a minute. So if justification, if justification cleared the debt and rescued us from wrath, we can now live lives of salvation. We can live lives saved from the results. Saved people on a changed, a new trajectory. I guess that judge that declares justification has also saved that person and given them a fresh new start. Once we were separated from God and now, as saved people, we can draw near to him. That's what Paul talks about in Ephesians. We can, we can draw near. You can actually be intimate and come close 
because there's nothing between us anymore. It's like that, that closeness with a friend that you might have done something wrong to, but there's nothing in between anymore. We can live salvation lives in his presence. Now look at the dictionary again. Salvation, the act of saving or protecting from harm, risk, loss, destruction. And again, there was a theological one after that. It had little brackets, theologically. Deliverance from the power and penalty of sin. Redemption. From the power and the penalty. So if justification removed the penalty, if we're now just and free and there is no penalty, salvation means we've also been removed from the power of that sin over our lives. And we know that that still exists, doesn't it? Did you notice those words? Protecting and deliverance from the power of sin. Living salvation lives is a life in the presence of God. With him, being able to draw near, enjoying his protection. So what does that look like? Well, salvation means we're no longer at the mercy of sin or the mercy of the power of sin over our lives. It doesn't define us anymore. We're not not defined by our sin It doesn't have to control us anymore. We've been saved from the consequences of sin, which would have been eternal death. We've been justified, set free to live new and fresh salvation lives on a trajectory that leads us to life eternal with God. And Paul says in Colossians, he says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, where we were, And he's transferred us through the cross and resurrection into the kingdom of the beloved son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. So there's a transfer that was taken place there. We were taken out of, you know, high security prison and set in a lovely mansion of freedom. And so now we can enjoy another prize and that is freedom. The resurrection of of Christ's resurrection and victory over death has given us freedom and we all know a lot of freedom texts there's a couple here john chapter 8 verse 36 so if the son sets you free wait a minute wait for the what's the rest of it you will be free not you if the son sets you free if you'd like or if you work really hard no if the son sets you free you will be free it's just like that done deal at justification isn't it Set us free. Stand firm and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Don't go back into imprisonment. Can you imagine walking out of that courtroom? Totally free. You walked in. You walked up the steps, steps, stairs of the Supreme Court feeling completely doomed, knowing that it was all not going so well. All the evidence <clears throat> stacks up and you're guilty and he passes the sentence... This is what you're going to pay. And you have no idea how you're going to pay this. And you know it's going to cost you everything. Your life, your relationships, everything you have, perhaps the rest of your life, whatever it is. It's going to cost you your freedom. Then just as the bailiff of the court comes to cuff and says, i got this. I'll take care of it all. You go back to your life. Clean slate. And for a kid, I was thinking of a kid, you know. Kids, if you're um, not, uh, if you're not um, captured by your colouring in, what if you were riding your bike around, the neighbour has just bought a brand new Mercedes car, 
right? And mum and dad said, do not ride your bike around the neighbour's car. But you did ride your bike around the neighbour's car because it was kind of fun. He's got a great driveway. It works really well. You can do skids and all that sort of stuff. So you're riding around and you clip, you turn a little bit early and you clip your handlebars and you put a big scratch down the side of the neighbour's brand new. It's going to cost you all your... You, you, you get caught and your parents sit you down. It's going to cost you all your pocket money and some probably. Because you've been told heaps. Your mum and dad say, oh, we told you, we told you heaps of times. Do not do that. But you did it anyway. But then... Mum and Dad give you a chance because they love you. They say, tell you what, that's a big bill. We will pay the bill. We'll make it good with the neighbour. You get to keep your dollars in your piggy bank or wherever you keep your dollars. How would you feel? A minute before, it looked really bad. Things were looking really bad. And if you were in that courtroom and, and, the, and someone came and said, I'll take care of all of that... How, would you change your life? Would you live differently? Would you still walk around like a guilty person, fearful and wondering if it's all going to just be a dream? You know, you start walking out of that courtroom and you're waiting for the bailiff to come running after you with a gun because you're escaping. Or you're outside and people still look at you and they know he did that or she did that. Or the neighbour looks at you if you're a kid and says, I remember you, you're the kid in that bike that can't control his bike and scratch my new car. People might still see you as guilty, see you as a bad person. Even though the judge has said, <clears throat> you can go out the door, start your life again, people still see you as guilty and bad, although they might think you're incredibly lucky. So... <clears throat> People in society see you as that and you, you can't get a job, you can't get a house because they, they know you did a bad thing. So there's a stigma attached to what you did. There's an association. That's a human example, isn't it? Because that's not total freedom, is it? Even though the judge said you can go, even though mum and dad paid for the damage, you, people still know you did it. There's not total freedom. And you know, even some people, <clears throat> the once they've... they've um, serve their sentence and they're free after paying the price, they find it hard to live in freedom. They find it hard to live in abandon and in hope. They never really feel free. And often we see people like that slip back into crime. They're not free because they're slaves to it. Captivity has become a way of life. That's what Paul's talking about in Galatians. The freedom that we get from the resurrection, <clears throat> the freedom we have because of Christ isn't like that. Freedom is now our way of life. We're seen as free. There is no stigma attached to us. We are seen as totally sinless. <coughs> and remember that we're protected from the power of sin to drag us back. Our life of freedom is one of secure hope, one with purpose, a life where we can feel totally free. What a prize. Jesus Christ's death, resurrection and victory over sin and death gives us complete freedom. Not just freedom like, okay, we don't have to pay the, the price anymore, but everyone still knows we're guilty. Freedom, total clean slate, no guilt associated with us. And that leads us to another prize because now, 
The prize of resurrection is that we can live life eternal and life to the full. In 1 John 5, verse 11 and 12, and this is a testimony that God this is a testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. Life itself, the fact that we can breathe and enjoy life, comes because Christ died and, was re- and rose again. And in John 10, verse 10, probably a verse we all know, the thief comes only to steal. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Not a half a life, not a life filled with, filled with oh, are we going to make it or not? Abundant life. Justification, salvation and freedom all mean we get what we don't deserve. We get eternal life with God. Those things are the prize, isn't it? Which is a huge prize. You know, back to the example of the, the kid riding the bicycle. If you're a kid and you, you scratch the car and... And, and mum and dad say, oh, look, you know, we can see that's going to cost way more than we don't want you. You can keep your pocket money. We will pay the bill. You get to keep your hard earned. But what if on top of that, they I'm going to double it. You're going to get a raise. How would you feel? You get what you really don't deserve. We un- we just, we, we're justified. We live lives of salvation. We're, we live in freedom but then we get, we don't just get our life back. We don't just get to live life now. We get more. We get eternal life. We actually get it when we recognize how much we need him to save us. John says we have eternal life. A life that we haven't earned and we can't earn. In fact, we worked against it. That's amazing. But that's not all. We get to live life to the full right now right here it's not just pie in the sky and we die it's not just when i go to heaven that's when i actually cash in we have life abundant now our life is not dominated by fear a fear of death thinking about what's on the other side you often hear people say i'm a bit afraid of dying i'm not sure what's on the other side we don't have that we have no fear because we know we don't live in fear of what others think or say. We can live full lives enjoying all that God has done. All that he's done for us. All the things that he gives us. And we could live filling out our lives with lifestyles of service and gratitude. We embrace opportunities. We live and give abundantly just the way that God did in Christ. That's what life to the full is, isn't it? It's actually living, embracing opportunities, giving and serving abundantly. Life to the full is also enjoying the world that God has given us and all the people He surrounded us with. Look at the people around you. Life abundant means you enjoy the people around you, that you enjoy creation, the things that God has given us now already to enjoy. Resurrection has given us eternal life and the ability to live life to the full today, right now. How great is that? So now our lives, here's another prize, our resurrection, our lives have no meaning. Without the resurrection, our lives have no purpose. Without the resurrection, there's no need for mission. The resurrection has given us meaning, purpose and mission. 
And we've just been talking about Ephesians in, in our teaching series, but you might remember Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not a result of works or anything you did, so that you don't have to boast. For we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Paul makes a connection. He makes a strong connection between you've been saved... You didn't do anything to do it. You got it. It's a free gift. It's grace. You've been saved. And he makes a direct connection. He's got meaning for us to live. He's got purpose for us to live. He's got a mission for us to carry out. Have you ever had a resurrection message talking about that? But that's what the resurrection led to. Resurrection means we can now live lives with meaning and purpose. Imagine again leaving that courtroom with a whole new outlook that you, than you had when you went in. You went in doomed, feeling doomed. You come out with this whole new outlook. You're now thinking, wow, when I went in, I thought, you know, I'd given everything away. I'd cut off all relationships. I don't gave away my job because I knew I'm going to go to prison. and I've just cut off everything. But now you go out and think, wow, all these... There's a whole new set of opportunities, a whole new context for you to live in because you've been justified, because you were saved. You wouldn't want to waste it by going back to crime or wandering around doing nothing, sitting in a couch somewhere waiting for whatever to happen. And that's true with us too. We were designed by God to know that we have a meaning, to discover what his purpose is for our life. You know, and purpose is really important. People will do almost anything for purpose. I know I've spoken about this before. I've spoken about, in, you know, in history, some of the early wars, mostly young people. Look at Ukraine now. People are going through incredible... Uh, they're being incredibly brave because they have a purpose. Their lives are on the line. Humanity, we were designed to do a lot for purpose. And when we discover our purpose in Christ which we can only discover because of the resurrection, that's really important. That is a prize. Being set free from sin means we have a new meaning and a new purpose to live in him, with him, and for him. Now, we often get the in him and with him. We, we, can, theolog 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 anyway, we can figure that out. Theologize. Theologize. We can theolo and, and we understand the living in him and we talk about that. And we understand living with him. We want him, you know, particularly when things are not going well. We want to live with God. We want to know that God is with us. But just as important in the three is that we call the resurrection means we can live for him. Your life is now for him. And that's not a popular message. I speak often of this. God saved us not so that we can sit in the waiting room for heaven on a couch somewhere. But Jesus rose to release us as ambassadors, as representatives of him to the world, of that message of hope, Jesus' death and resurrection for humanity. A world that needs to know about the resurrection. They need to hear about the resurrection. That's our mission now as beneficiaries of Christ's work. And that is definitely a prize, even though sometimes you think, wow, that's a lot of work. And it means I've got to give up some stuff. 
But really, when you're living your purpose and when you're living in Christ's mission as a freed person, that's a prize. Who doesn't want to know that you have a meaning and a purpose? Who isn't energized by having a mission in life? And these things come exclusively through our Father's love, His action in sending His Son to redeem us. Without that, without that meaning and purpose, we're lost and we have no mission. This is a prize of the cross that we need to embrace. There's one more prize I want to mention, and it's a special one. It's an important one. The prize that we get because of the resurrection is himself, his presence, God himself. That's what we get. 2 Corinthians verse 5, chapter 5, verse 19 says, That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him and entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. There's that mission there again already, isn't there? And in Galatians 2.20, I have been, yeah, this, is, this is Paul talking, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, so the life that I'm living today in the real world, <clears throat> I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. One of the greatest prizes of the resurrection, himself and his presence. Another word we often use in churches to describe this is reconciliation, isn't it? Resurrection cleared the way for us to be reconciled with God. There's now nothing blocking our relationship. You see, sin had made us enemies with God, but the cross reconciled us. <clears throat> Paul and Peter to or brought near to God. In Ephesians 2 verse 13, Paul says, You who once were far away have now been brought near by the blood of Christ. There's this huge distance between us and the Father. And Christ's work on the cross brought us near. His resurrection brought us near. And Peter said, The righteous for the unrighteous. To bring you to God. Why did he do it? To bring you and me to God. We have the freedom to relate, to pray, to hear, to engage with him because we are now near and he is with us. Even humanly speaking, again with the kids or, or any of us, when you fight with a friend or a, a sister or a brother and there's something goes wrong in a relationship and you feel angry or hurt, how good does it feel when you finally get to make up and you get to hang out together? Or as a kid, when you're pretty sure that mum and dad are mad at you, probably should be too, because you probably did something wrong, for something, and you know that you deserve it, but you get a chance to make up, and they forgive you, and there's a great feeling there, isn't it? There's a relief. I can, I've told the story once a long time ago when I was wasted my dad's nails. You might remember the story. And I can remember how hard it was to be in my dad's presence because he was, I knew he was angry with me and I knew I deserved it. When we made up, I can't, you know, as a six-year-old kid, I can't tell you how wonderful that felt. That my dad, you know, that everything was good between us. That's what it's like. That's what reconciliation is. 
We're now brought near to God. And it's okay to be in his presence because he doesn't see us. There's no stigma of sin. He, he wants to be with us. In fact, he's chosen to indwell us. So reconciliation means he's now with us. He longs to indwell us, not just to be a visitor. And we all know scriptures like, well, I stand at the door and knock if anyone will let me in. That's God's desire, Jesus' desire to be in us. And another scripture, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He has given us himself. What a great prize. That gives us new life. I now live in him. And as Paul says in Ephesians, we no longer live as the Gentiles do. We no longer have to no longer live. We live as Christ meant us to. And we can, we can do it because he's with us and in us. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is with us because of the resurrection. We can be sure and confident of that. So Easter Sunday... Could have told a story that Jesus lives when he reveals himself. That's a great way to talk about Easter Sunday. We could talk about God um, sending his son Jesus and Jesus just setting people free for, for planting churches and the resurrection opened all that. We could talk about Easter Sunday many different ways. But isn't it great to see that Christ paid the price? The prize has so much content. The prize is just... Jesus' resurrection just opens a door for us to walk through and just take all the prizes Christ has given us when we accept him as our saviour. Today's a great celebration. He is risen and that matters. These and so many more prizes are ours because Christ took our place. There are many, many more that you could probably think of sitting there and I could have addressed so many more prizes yet even touching on these few is hugely encouraging, wouldn't you agree? How good is Easter Sunday? Almost Easter Sunday is the launch pad into your life. Think about it. sending you off to live a life for Christ. But we can't have Sunday without first going through Friday, which we did. Praise Jesus that he went through Friday so that we can have Sunday. I want to encourage you to reflect this weekend. And I know a holiday weekend is there's so much on and family to see and maybe heading off and some people are away, obviously. But can I encourage you, even just for a moment, if you can take five or ten minutes somewhere in this weekend just to reflect on some, maybe these prizes or maybe some other ones. Just think, wow. Just take a moment to reflect, what does it mean for me that Jesus rose from the dead? What Practically, what does it mean for me? How would I make decisions in the rest of my life? How am I going to move forward? How am I going to be to treat that person in, in my in relationship or in my family? Or how am I going to make those choices? If nothing else, reflect on Easter for five or ten minutes and say, how is the resurrection going to change my life really right now today? Can I encourage you to do that? And just give thanks for the amazing prizes that you have in your possession because he rose. Jesus Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Let's pray.